All right. Make sure you're checking in there on Facebook. That is good. I know we kind of slopped off a little bit on that lately, but if you do that, man, it makes a huge difference and super excited because every check-in, so like, like Smith, it was every 10 check-ins um, we did something, but every check-in helps provide clean water for a family in Haiti for a whole week, so that's pretty awesome. So make sure you're checking in on Facebook at the Waynesburg campus so we can get that done. Well, hey, we've started a new series last week called Let's Be Honest, and it's just an opportunity for us just to kind of connect and talk about various things throughout the summer. Um, we've got a lot of different topics that I feel like God has just given us as a campus to kind of look at and dive into. And uh, last week, we kind of just opened up with the idea of being honest, that there are these realities that internally we're having these conversations constantly going on inside of our hearts and our minds that nobody else is aware of, right? And so, you know, every once in a while, you know, it's kind of like, hey, are you talking to yourself? And they're kind of like, no, no, I wasn't. We all talk to ourselves, right? We all have these conversations. Sometimes you are not even realizing it and you're talking out loud to yourself, but internally, we're all talking to ourselves. We have these conversations that are going on and those internal conversations are important conversations in the direction of our life because the things that we're saying to ourselves ultimately are the things that often are shaping our future. They're the conversations that are having us on the inside that prevents us or provokes us to do certain things on the outside. And we oftentimes don't want people to really know what's taking place. We don't want people to really know what we think. We don't want people really to be honest with, ourselves, with us. And we don't really want to be honest with others because if they were to find out our opinions on certain things, they would probably be a little bit shocked. They would probably not want to have a conversation with us because to be known to that level, to be known on the deepest level of your most intimate thoughts, your most passionate opinions, you know, the, the things that you're just like, man, this is the stuff that goes on in my head while I'm driving down the road or when I'm in the shower, right? And you just have all of these thoughts just kind of rummaging through your head. And these are the things that are there. And for you to be known on that level is a pretty scary thing. But what we talked about last week is, is that God, he's in on those conversations. He knows everything about you, just like we read during the communion moment. But also in Psalm chapter 56, which is where we're going to be this evening and next week as well. But in Psalm chapter 56, David is talking to God and he's speaking to him and he says that you keep track of all my sorrows. The actual word there is you keep track of all my wanderings. And what it's implying there between the context of him talking about his emotions and all those things, you, you keep track of where my mind goes throughout the day, right? You're sitting there at your desk and you're working and you're focused on a task that's right there in front of you. And then all of a sudden, before you even know it, your mind is just thinking about something completely random that has nothing to do with anything, right? God keeps track of all of those things. Like he knows you. He knows where your mind wanders to. He knows where your heart wanders to. He knows the things that pull you away from the things that you should be focused on. He knows the things that discourages you. He keeps track of all of those things. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, it says this, that the Lord searches all hearts and examines secret motives. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what motivates you and what doesn't. He knows what your intentions are. When you're like, hey, I'm doing this to make my wife happy and you're cleaning the house. You're not doing it to make her happy and God knows what's going on, right? So like, you know, it's in those moments, you know, it's just like he knows really what's taking place. He knows the motives of your heart. He knows the secret things that are in your hearts. In Psalm chapter 139, verse 1, 
David says this, he says, Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. So God is in on the conversation. And there is good news. You're just like, that's kind of scary because I don't even want to know everything about me, right? And it's like, but God knows, and it's good news because even in the craziness of all that can go on in your heart, the desperation that can go on in your soul, the moments where you feel like you're completely lost and you feel like you don't know what's going on, and those moments when you're so excited and you just don't know how to even express all that's going on, God is there in those moments and he knows the depth of every single emotion, every joy, every sense of wonder, everything that's going on. He knows intimately who you are and what's going on in your life. And God wants you to be able to be honest with him. He wants you to stop and to say, you know me better than I know myself, and you've laid out my entire life, and you have plans for me, and I want to know those plans, and I want to do those plans. And so there's these things that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, some things that I want to help us to push out into the forefront and have a conversation about, because I want us, if, if our conversations, our internal conversations, our internal thoughts, those things that we kind of keep in and we don't really share with others, those things, if it's directing our future, I want us as a church to be talking about some important things because I want to take control of our future. I want to make sure that we're looking to Christ and that the things that are on the inside that are shaping us and moving us as a church and as individuals, that they don't have a secret place to hide, but they are able to be brought to the forefront so that he is able to direct our lives. So that's what the sermon series is about is that we're going to talk about some different topics and we're going to hit some different points so that way we can make sure that we're having the conversation with God that we should and that we're having a conversation as the body of Christ. So that's what the series is about. Sound good? So tonight we're going to talk about disappointment. We're going to talk about disappointment. This is going to be actually a two-part series. So we're going to talk about this tonight and then we're going to talk about this next week. Tonight, I just want to lay out some things about disappointment that, that we should consider and think about. To look at the reality of disappointment. Because disappointment, it's human. It's, it's like to be disappointed is to be human, right? Like it's, it's a reality. It happens. We're, we're disappointed on a regular basis, if not a daily basis, right? You wake up in the morning and you look over and you're like, yep, that spouse is still there, right? You're just, you know, you're just kind of like, whatever. But, you know, so there's moments of, was that too far? Was that wrong? Okay, whatever, get over it. So, you know, so like you just, you know, there's those moments where you're just, you're disappointed daily, right? And disappointment, it's a huge reality in our lives because as disappointment stacks up and as it becomes bigger in our lives, it actually begins to direct what we do. And so disappointment, it's human, it's natural, it happens. Because the reality is what disappointment is, disappointment is when our expectations of a person or a thing have not been met. So it's easy for that to happen. During the prayer moment when we are up here before service, I was joking around, you know, it's so easy for us to get disappointment. We have an expectation that it's going to take us 10 minutes to get to the store, and then it takes us 12 minutes, and we just lose all sense of control, right? Or you're just like, you know what, I'm going to stop real quick, and I'm just going to go through this drive through and then it's not real quick, and it takes 22 minutes, and you're just like, ah, right? And you get disappointed. It's easy for us to get disappointed in the small things, but there's also big things 
that happen and causes us to reach this place of disappointment. Have you ever had just something just go exactly the way that you wanted it to go? Like you're just like, everything that I wanted to have happen, it happened. Have you ever had one of those moments? Like it's so fun, isn't it, right? It's like almost euphoric, right? Because you're just like, this never happens. Like everything actually happened. So the other day, this is so small and inconsequential, but the other day, like, it, it, like I had set up this thing. I'm a little bit mischievous and I love like messing around with people's emotions. And so uh, Vanessa, before her and Pastor Fred are our lead pastors at the Newport News campus and they're on vacation. And before they left to go on vacation, Vanessa was talking with me and she's like, hey, we need to get the promotion started for our fall ladies brunch, which is September 17th, ladies start getting ready for it. So this kind of makes up for what I did to her. So anyway, so, um, so that's in September. So she's like, we gotta get the promotion ready and all this different stuff. And so we're going on a missions trip at the end of July. So it's kind of like, hey, we gotta get these things done. So unfortunately, you're gonna have to get like some of this stuff approved while you're on vacation. So she's like, that's fine. I don't mind doing that. So they're on vacation. They're in the Outer Banks. They're just hanging out on the beach. And so she's like, how am I gonna know that you sent it to me? And I said, I'll send you a text. And that text is gonna say, hey, I just emailed you the graphic, you can look at it. And then whenever you get to it, you can, right? And she's like, okay. And so she's like, thanks so much. So I send her a text, hey, just emailed you the graphic. So in the meeting, she's like, hey, so I want to make sure this graphic, like it's in the fall, you know, we're gonna start promoting the summer, but we're gonna be looking towards the fall. So like, I want leaves and I want autumn and like, I want it like girly cause it's a ladies event, right? So feminine, like all this different stuff. And she's like, I want pumpkins or leaves or something, right? And so I just want it to be fall. So I said, fantastic. So I sent her a graphic of this beautiful wood scene with, orange and red and yellow leaves and all this different stuff. And then it had six giant bucks just sitting in the middle of it. And I cut the, the wording out around the bucks so that the bucks were just like, just that much more emphasized in the image. And so I sent her a text, just emailed you the graphic. So two days go by and she hasn't responded. And so the whole time I'm just like, Michelle, she hasn't responded yet. And Michelle's like, you're horrible. You're a horrible person. And I'm like, I know. I was like, I don't know what it is. Either she just hasn't checked it yet because she's not in a rush to, or she's checked it and she doesn't know what to do in this moment. And I really hope it's that one, right? And so, so she finally, she sends me an email and she says, this is so awesome. She's gonna be even more mad than I'm telling you, but whatever. So, so she sends me this email and she's like, hey, so I think it's a good start, but could we do a little less wildlife? And, and so I started laughing. So I actually had, I had six different proofs already ready for us. So I just went ahead and emailed that. And, uh, and so I was like, hey, here are the real options. And so she responded and she said, she goes, oh, thank God. I didn't know what to do. Like, I was so scared, like, I didn't want to hurt your feelings and tell you that this was completely hideous and that I did not want to go with it, so I didn't know what to do. And I said, that's exactly what I was hoping for. And she's like, you're a jerk. And I was like, I know, isn't it fun? You know, and so it's just one of those things, right? Like, there's moments where you're just like, everything that you wanted it to be, it was. And it's awesome, and it's just so much fun. But how many of us, we've been in these moments, right, where nothing goes the way you want it to? Have you ever been there, right? So this... Past weekend, I got to take Braden on his first camping trip, all right? So it was first camping trip, first father-son camping trip for the both of us. And so we're both super excited about it. So now we've tried to go three times. We tried to go three times before this. So the first time, the temperature just 
just all of a sudden just dropped out of nowhere. It was like in the 30s at night. So I was like, not taking this child who gets cold in our 70 degree home, right? to camping in the 30s. So, so we canceled on that night. The next night it was raining, and then the next night I got sick, right? So like three times got canceled. So we finally got to go camping. So we're going camping. We went out to the first landing uh, park out in Virginia Beach, beautiful camping area, lots of fun. So we got there, we set up our tent, we're all set up and we're ready for camping. And, and uh, we went to the beach and we were out there swimming and there was dolphins in the water and we were having an absolute blast and just chasing each other. I mean, it was just awesome, right? It was like one of those, just like, this is a great father-son moment. We're having so much fun. And we take the long way back to the campsite and we finally get to the campsite and I'm like, all right, I gotta start dinner, right? Like you cook at a campsite, right? Over open fire. So I was like super excited about this. And, and so the fire pit there is like, you know, I had wood burning, but then there was a section with a grill where you could put charcoal. And I went to the camp store, because I forgot the charcoal, and I went to the camp store, and they had these little weird things like, hey, we're gonna save the environment, we got a whole new way to cook, it's perfect, it's amazing, all you do is light this brick and your life's gonna change. It was a lie, and I knew it, but I bought them anyways, like a moron. And so I go and I'm sitting there, I'm trying to light these things and I can't get them to light. I literally ran out of lighter fluid in the lighter because I spent so much time to get these things lit that in big bold letters says, instant light, right? You know, and I'm just like, oh. So I'm sitting there and so Braden's like, we're not gonna be able to eat, you know? And I'm just like, no, we're gonna be able to eat. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I thought about it. I said, I need something like flammable, something combustible, right? And so I was like, I have a can of WD-40 in the back of my car. I was like, I probably shouldn't eat, you know, off of something that's been cooked with WD-40. But I was like, I know WD-40 is going to burn, right? So I just like soak those things in WD-40, right? So I'm going to the car to get the WD-40. Braden, he's excited. He's just like literally like my leech, you know, like he's just so excited. So like everywhere he goes, like he's just there. So we're walking and we go to the car and I go to pop the hood or pop the trunk in the car. And I open the door like this and I reach in to pop it. And as I'm doing it, Braden just goes and he leans on the car like this. Right, and he's just sitting there and we're just talking. And then I was sitting there and I was like, hey bud. I was like, hey, make sure you get out of the way. And he's just talking and he's like, hey bud, make sure you get out of the way. And then he's just talking and I'm like, get out of the way and shut the door. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah! And I was just like, what in the world? You know, and I look and like he's got this super long hoodie on because we went swimming and though it was 86 degrees, he was cold. See, 30s, no, right? So I was in there and his like hoodie's like trapped in the door, right? And he's just like, ah! And he's just like flailing around and I'm like, what in the world? So I'm like, okay, is he just scared because it's his hoodie or did I really get his finger, right? And so I open the door and he pulls up his sleeve and blood just like pouring out of his finger, right? And I'm like, oh no. And so then of course, you know, people from other campsites, they start coming at this point. One guy's like, I got a first aid kit. And I'm like, leave me alone, you know? And so like, I'm sitting there just like, we'll figure this thing out. And so I'm like, Brayden, go sit down. So I go to get my own first aid kit. And then I come around the tent and he's just sitting there in the chair and he's just, he's just crying and he's like talking, right, to himself. And I'm just like, I'm like, buddy, I said, dude, if it hurts that bad, I was like, man, we need to go, right? Because like, you, dude, we can camp anytime, right? We can camp anytime, but you only have 10 fingers, right? So like, we need to like take care of your hand. And he's just like, oh, I'm okay. We gotta stay, we gotta stay. And then he like calms himself down. And so then I turn around and then in the time I took go like this and I turn back around and he's again, he's like, <laughs> and he's just like talking to himself. And I'm like, buddy, if it hurts that bad, I was like, we've gotta go, it's okay. And he's just like, he's like, no, no, we can't go. We've tried to go camping so many times and every time, every single time it's got canceled and now we're here 
and I ruined everything. And he's just like, you know, crying. And he's like, I messed it all up. What is wrong with me? And I'm like, buddy, it wasn't you. It was daddy. He's the moron, you know? And he's just like, but it was me too. It was both of us. And, you know, he's just like crying, you know? And there's just this moment. He's just like, if we leave, camping's ruined, you know? And he's just like having this moment where he's just realizing all that's taking place. And in that moment, I just looked at him, and I, after hearing him say the words, you know, that I messed everything up, I started thinking about the sermon and just thinking about this reality of disappointment, that oftentimes we live with an expectation of disappointment, and that living with this expectation of disappointment, it cripples us, that it literally leaves us in this place where instead of living the life that God wants for us, we're living in fear, we're living in anxiety, we're living worried about things instead of stepping out in freedom and joy of the things that God wants us to live. And as Christians, this is one of the biggest problems I see that's facing us. That we walk around and we look at disappointment and we look at the things that are taking place in our lives and we look at the things where people have wronged us or we looked at where the church has wronged us or we feel like I've been praying for this certain thing for so long and God has never come through and God has disappointed me and we all are in these places where we're just completely disappointed. And we're just like, I, I thought things were gonna be different. I thought things were gonna work out, but instead I'm just, man, my expectations just weren't met anywhere. David in Psalm chapter 56, as you look here Psalm in this Psalm, David is writing the Psalm to God. It's a prayer. He's talking to God and he's just saying, listen, like this is where I'm at, right? In this moment, he's being chased by Saul. He's being pursued by Saul so that he can be murdered because Saul's ticked at him. And so David is literally hiding in caves and Saul's army gets a little bit close and he has to move to another cave. And then Saul's army gets a little bit closer there and he's got to move to another cave. And he's living amongst the Philistines, right? And you remember David's story, he killed their hero, right? So he's living amongst the Philistines and he's doing all of this stuff trying to just stay alive. David, in this moment, was not only being pursued by Saul, but literally just months before, he was one of the most revered men in all of Israel. He was a war hero. He was a, 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 a promised just man of, of the community. He was Saul's favorite. He was eating the king's food. He was wearing the king's clothes. He was hanging out with the king's son. They were best friends. Life was good. Things were awesome. He was just a shepherd boy who had no expectation for life. And then all of a sudden, he finds himself in the midst of glory. And God, in the midst of all of that, has promised him that he's going to be king. And then literally within a few months, he finds himself hiding in caves and running for his life. David is living in this land of shattered expectations. And we can relate to him and we can see in this psalm what it looks like to be a person who sees something that is disappointing and discouraging. But he's a model for us in this psalm where he's able to show us how we're supposed to respond to that and how we're supposed to move. Because oftentimes, instead of like David, where we go through in verse 10 and he says, I praise God for what he has promised. Yes, I praise the Lord for he has promised. I don't know about you. But me, when I'm disappointed and things aren't going right, I'm not sitting there just like, ooh, let's turn on the worship song and thank God for this moment. You know what I'm saying? Like most of the times I'm just like, this stinks. I don't want to be here. But David, he's praising God. And he gives us an example and a model to follow. But a lot of times when we find ourselves in a place of disappointment, instead of saying, God, you're awesome and I praise you, 
Oftentimes the conversations that we're having internally are, what's the point of trying? Why should I keep on going? Man, I've, I've had so many chances to do something right, and I've messed up every single time. How many more times is God going to let me try? How many more times is that person going to let me try? It hasn't worked out more than it has ever worked out. What if I get another chance and I mess up on that chance? And that's the conversation that's in our minds. And instead of stepping out and saying, God, I trust you and, and, I, and I love you and I'm looking to you, the conversation that goes on, and this is the way it is, we're human, this is the way it takes place, is, is I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I should do this. Man, I, I've messed up so many times, it's not even worth trying anymore. And for what I want you to hear tonight, what I want you to be encouraged tonight is, is this. I was driving in my car, I was telling Cam about it, I was driving in my car, and I just felt like God just said this for this sermon tonight, is that God is not the God of second chances. He's the giver of life. See, so many times we look through and we're just like, well, maybe God will give me another chance. Maybe God will give me another chance. Maybe, and we just look at it and it's like, man, I blew all those chances. I don't have any more chances. I'm just going to give up. But God is not the God of second chances. He's not sitting up there just counting them out saying, well, I gave him three opportunities and he messed up, so I'm going to move on. I gave her five chances and, well, she blew all those. God is the giver of life. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, today when you hear his voice. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, so God set another time for entering his rest and that time is today. Listen, it's in this moment it's in this second right now that God is speaking to you. And he's saying it's not about all the mistakes you've made. It's not about the mistake you made this morning. It's not about the mistake you made 20 years ago. It's not about all of that stuff. What it's about is right now in this moment. Are you listening? Are you hearing? Because it's about right now. And I'm telling you, God is saying, I see you. I love you. I want more for you. I want what's best for you. I want you to know life. I want you to know joy. I want you to know peace. I want you to know boldness. I want you to know courage. I want you to know wholeness. That is available now. And it's not about all the things that have messed up in the past. It's not about all of the disappointments that have happened. It's about what God is doing in this moment. And Jesus himself, he told us in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, listen, things aren't going to go right. You're going to have issues and things are going to get messed up. He says this. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, here it is, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. So bracketed is this warning and this warning is, you're going to have troubles. You're going to have trials. Things are going to be difficult. But bracketed outside of that warning, on either side of that warning, is a promise. And that promise is peace because he's already won the victory. Peace because he's already won the victory. See, what happens is, is we step into these moments where we're disappointed and we're discouraged and we allow ourselves to get beat up and we allow ourselves just to, to just defeat ourselves. So instead of living life and instead of stepping out in boldness, we live with an expectation that is accepting defeat and we step into this place where instead of living with an expectation of victory, we're apathetically just observing life. We're just watching things go by. We're just letting things happen. And God wants you to hear tonight that you should hear this promise. Ready for this? Don't let the disappointments of yesterday be the voice of your today. 
Don't let the disappointments of your yesterday be the voice of today. Yes, there are things that have happened that you wish wouldn't have happened. There are things that people have done to you. There are things that you've done to yourself. There are things that are beyond your control. Life has trials. There are disappointments. There are things that are heartbreaking that we have to encounter. There are things that are discouraging that we have to go through. But hear this. There is a promise of peace because he's already won the victory. And he wants you to hear today that the victory's already been won, that you can look to him, that you can trust in him, that you can hope in him. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, your disappointments can be a catalyst for profound opportunity. Because of Jesus, your disappointments can be a catalyst for profound opportunity. So you're looking at your situations and you're saying, man, this is defining me in a way that says, I can't because I failed. I can't because I've hurt. I can't because I broke their trust. I can't because I, and you can fill in the blanks for yourself. But what God is wanting to speak to you is, is that when you see the hope that is in Christ and you surrender to him, the very thing that you see as a disappointment could be the very thing that God wants to use in your life as a profound opportunity to show his glory in this world. The very thing that you're going through, the very place that you are right now, the thing that seems the most discouraging and empty, that place right there is the place that God wants to do something. We've become so accustomed to disappointment that we get to this place where we just don't even want to try. We get to this place where we don't even want to dream. And this is the reason I say that this is one of the biggest things I see coming at the church and that I see Christians struggling with is that they allow the disappointments just to stack up and build in their lives. And they look at all of the failures and they look at all the wounds and they look at all the hurts and they see all of those things and they allow those things to begin to define who they are. The power of the past and all the things that have happened becomes the definition of who you are. You begin to accept that as your identity. And when that happens, we move into this place where we stop dreaming, where we stop hoping, we stop having faith. And when we get to that place where we no longer have hope and we no longer have faith, we actually move into an even scarier place where we begin to withdraw and become inactive. And when you're in this place where you've withdrawn and you're inactive, you're just sitting there, you're just existing, you're just observing life. When you're in that place, you become critical and you become apathetic and you become belligerent and you begin to focus on things that don't matter in your life, things that don't matter in the life of the church, things that don't matter in the life of your family. You begin to make mountains out of molehills. And instead of being able to walk in a faith where you can move mountains, you're getting tripped up by little anthills. And it's because we walk into this place where we say, I failed, I made a mistake, that person hurt me, I hurt that person. And then disappointment becomes so big and it becomes so massive that we allow ourselves to get crippled. But that could be the place. Yes, mistakes happen. Yes, things happen that we wish wouldn't happen. But God is a gracious God. And he's a God who wants to redeem your disappointments. He's a God who says, I want to step right where you are, not five years ago when you made the mistake, but where you are right now. I want to turn things around, and I want this to become the story of redemption. I want this to become a story where people look at your life and say, wow, look what God has done in their life. Wow, look what God has moved into their lives. Look at the doors that he's opened up. Your disappointment your disappointment could be the opportunity that God wants you to experience his goodness 
and his grace. Not too long ago, I was driving up to Indianapolis. Uh, my brother-in-law was planting a, a new campus there at the church, and uh, many of you know we used to be in a set-up, tear-down situation here at the Waynesburg campus, and we're no longer not glory to God, right? And so, um, so we had a bunch of stuff in the setup tear down and we just, we wanted to bless that church and bless them. And so I was, we were trying to figure out how to get everything up there. And so as we were trying to figure it out, I was like, you know what, we need to um, just get a U-Haul truck, load it up with all of the stuff and I'll drive it up there and drive back the next day. And so he's like, no, don't do that. You drive up though and we'll fly you back. And I was like, fine, whatever, let's do that. So we go and we, after service, I've got the U-Haul out there and it's loaded up with all the stuff and I, after service we get done and get everything set up and I get the U-Haul and just drive all night all the way up to Indianapolis. So I'm driving and, and I'm just kind of, I stopped at Chick-fil-A because glory to God we get Chick-fil-A after church on Saturdays. So I stopped at Chick-fil-A and so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm eating my Chick-fil-A while I'm driving and, and we're just going, I'm just going down the road and I brought uh, the kids portable DVD player, not because I was going to watch movies, don't yell at me, but I had it just playing in the background, you know, and so like I'm just kind of like just noise back there and just kind of just enjoying my drive and just kind of enjoying the quiet for a little bit and I start making my way through Virginia and I'm getting close to West Virginia and I've got about a quarter tank of gas. And I'm like, you know what, I can go a little bit further. I don't need to fill up right now. I'll be fine. Maybe in the next 20, 30 minutes, I'll be able to stop and get gas. Within that 20 to 30 minutes, I left humanity. I drove away from anything that is recognizable as society. And I was in the mountains. And I'm driving up these extreme like inclines and I'm just making my way through the mountains and I'm watching the needle just drop and drop and there's no lights on the road, there's no other cars on the road, it's late, it's getting later and later and I'm in West Virginia and I'm like, I've watched too many X-Files, I've watched too many things, like something crazy is gonna happen, I'm gonna be abducted, somebody's gonna pull me into a cabin, something's gonna happen, like I can't walk these streets. And it was cold, so I was like, I can't just sit in the truck. I was like, this is the way it's gonna happen. I'm just gonna go out this way, right? And so I'm just in the car and I'm just making my way there. And I kid you not, as I'm going, I'm just sitting there and I grip the steering wheel, right? And I grip the steering wheel, I turn off the music and, and I'm just like focused right on everything that's going on. And I'm just, as I'm driving, I'm just like, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. I have my eyes open. But I was like, oh Jesus, oh God, you're so good. Right? Have you ever been in those moments, right, where you're just like, I'm an idiot. I made a mistake. God, I need you. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> Somehow, miraculously, fill my gas tank up. Please, I don't want to die here, right? And so you're just sitting there, and I'm just like, God, please work things out. I promise if I get to a gas station, right, I'll listen to worship music the rest of the trip, you know? <laughs> like, just, I'll do anything. Please, God, you know? And it's in this moment, right, where it is like, Jesus, please help. I pull off on the exit, and as I'm pulling off on the exit, I see a sign for a gas station. This is after a while, I kid you not. Like, it was so long. It was on the red line. And so I pull off, and I'm like, oh, thank you. And I pull off on the exit and go, and it's a mile and a half down the road, and I get there, and it's closed. So I got to pull around, go all the way back another mile and a half, gun the gas to get up this insane entrance ramp, and then try to drive for how knows long. I literally feel like I just coasted into a gas station, but I made it, right? But it was that moment where I was just like, I was sitting there and I was laughing at myself after I got the gas because I was like, do you think like me begging God made a difference? Like, you know, I started having this conversation like, God, did that really make a difference? You know, like, or is like this going to be the reality no matter what, you know? And, and so I'm just sitting there having this thing, but it realized, I realized something in that moment. 
that sometimes we've got to be placed in a place of desperation. Because when we get into a place of desperation, when we get into a place where something happens that's outside of our expectations, we get into a place of disappointment, all of a sudden things begin to clarify. Things that really matter, the things that you need to be focused on, the things that you need to be aware of, all of a sudden they become extremely clear to you. And once you start beginning to receive that clarity, then all of a sudden you begin to receive a conviction. And so sometimes where you are in your place of disappointment, it's the place that God wants you to be because he wants to bring clarity to some things in your life that he wants to do. And where you are right now in that moment, maybe it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking, but I'm just telling you, with everything you've got, praise him. With everything you've got, declare his goodness. With everything you've got, say, God, you're everything that I need. Cling on to that steering wheel and just pray and just believe that God's going to do something miraculous because it's in that place that he wants to begin to show you the things that he's doing in your life and the things that he wants to do through your life. Your greatest disappointment, where you are, the thing that you're going through, the thing you've been struggling with, your greatest disappointment could be a divine appointment that launches you into the life that God created for you. In verse 12, in Psalm 56, David, he's praying. And he says, God, thank you for all that you've done. I will fulfill my vows to you. I will fulfill my vows to you. See, David, when he was in the midst of running for his life and he was in the midst of his greatest disappointment, he looked to God and he worshiped God and he said, I will do everything you want. God, I, I wanna live for you. God, I know who you are and I know how good you are. I know all that you've promised. God, I only want you. It's not about the kingdom, it's not about the fame, it's not about all the luxuries, it's not about all that stuff, it's about you and what you want. He had a moment of clarity, and in that moment of clarity, he received a conviction to commit himself to follow God's ways. Because here's the deal, and the worship team can go ahead and make their way up. Your disappointment is really about the battle for your heart. Your disappointment is really about the battle for your heart. In verse 13, in the second part of verse 13, David says this. He says, so now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. The Arabic translation, it says this, that I might do the will of the Lord. See, some of you, you're in a place of disappointment. You're discouraged by your reality because of something you've done or something that somebody else has done to you. And I know those places can be difficult places. But in the midst of that place, God wants to do something miraculous and profound. Not just for your good and not just for his glory, but for someone else's good as well. God wants to work in that situation to do more than you could ever imagine. And in that place, just trust that God is doing something. But some... Some of us, you're not living in the midst of disappointment because you don't have control of the situation. Some of us, we're living in the midst of disappointment because we refuse to give God control of the situation. So you keep going, you're like, God, if you could just work things out and if you could just, you know, make things happen and, and, and just help me to get this job, help me to get this career. And God's saying, I don't care about that career. I don't care about that move. What I care about is your character. What I care about is what I want to do in your heart right now. What I care about is the things that you keep giving yourself to that are destroying you and your family. 
What I care about are the things that you're doing that are robbing you of the joy that I promised you. And that job that you want, that career that you want, it's the last thing that you need. And so you're in this place where you're disappointed. You're like, nothing seems to be working out. Nothing seems to be going my way. Maybe you're there because, maybe just maybe, I think that's a really bad pop song, but maybe, maybe you're there because he's trying to do a work in you so that he can do something even greater through you. So you're saying, oh man, if I could just get that new house, if I could get that new house and, and just move into the house and everything would be different for our family and everything would just work out. And he's saying, I don't care about the house. I want you to stay where you are so you can get financially free because I want you to be a missionary and I want you to travel this world. And you're saying, I want this, but it doesn't seem to be working out. Maybe, maybe. It's not because somebody's working against you, but it's because you're wanting something. You're placing an expectation of hope in something that will only leave you empty. Instead, God's protecting you because he wants your expectation to be in him and him alone. Because when our expectations are in him, we never find ourselves in disappointment and discouragement. We never find ourselves broken, but we find ourselves in peace. We find ourselves whole. Because he says, hey, listen, things are gonna go bad. Things are gonna get messed up. Things are gonna go crazy. But in the midst of that, like a tree in a storm, you won't go anywhere. Maybe you lose some leaves and maybe you lose some branches, but you, your life is gonna be whole and you're only gonna grow stronger from it. And this moment of disappointment that maybe you find yourself in is that you're refusing to say yes to God. You're refusing to say yes to the things that he wants you to do. And your place of disappointment is just a place of surrender. And God tonight is speaking to you and he's saying, listen, all I want you to do is to trust. But if you, no matter where you are and no matter how the disappointment has become a reality in your life, if you allow those disappointments to build, you become a little less active, you become a little less committed, you begin to believe a little less, you begin to trust a little less, your convictions begin to slide a little bit, and you find yourself just existing. You find yourself just there in life. And that's not what God wants for you. As your pastor, if you're visiting tonight, as somebody who's having the privilege of speaking to you, I want you to hear tonight that God doesn't want you just to exist in this life. God wants you to know the life that he's promised in Christ, which is a full and abundant life. He wants you to be alive. Trust that he is good. Wherever your disappointments are, whatever is taking place, listen, he's tonight, he's whispering to you. He's whispering to your heart, and he's saying those things that are holding you back, let it go. Those things that leave you so disappointed and discouraged, let it go. Because he wants you to come alive. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in joy. And he wants you to run to him. So tonight, as we sing this song, and as we worship God, wherever you are, I want you just to realize the freedom of who God is and what God wants to do in your life. I want you to take a moment and just to be honest with God. 
God, I've been disappointed, I've been discouraged, and that disappointment has caused me just to be inactive and apathetic. I haven't cared about much, I haven't tried much. God, I need that to change now. God, I haven't been willing to trust you. I've been hearing you say something over and over and over again. I've refused to listen to that because I want my own thing. God, no longer do I want that thing, but I want you. And God, I'm going to trust you. Wherever you are tonight, this is the moment that God has for you. It's your today. It's not your wait till tomorrow. It's not your, man, I should have done this 10 years ago. God is with you right now in this moment. And he's saying, I want to set you free. I want you to walk into life. I want you to walk into joy. I want you to walk into abundance. I want you to know peace that is available in this moment. Let it go. Let it go and come alive. Can you worship with me?
It's so funny how disappointment and discouragement can work. We're just sitting there singing that song and I'm just worshiping and thanking God and I just realized for the very first time tonight that I forgot the B in the word embrace on the lyrics there. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's literally been like that the whole service? Oh, and I just started thinking about like, everybody probably thinks that we're stupid, right? And I just started thinking about that. Man, it's crazy. I just preached a whole sermon on not just being disappointed, right? Like, but that's the way it can work. It can be so small, but instantly you find yourself, I made a mistake, oh, something went wrong, oh. And then all of a sudden we just find ourselves completely lost in something that is not true and something that is not real. You guys were worshiping, whether you noticed the word or not, you've moved on. But all of a sudden I was trying to make that my reality, right? Listen, he says, come like you promised. He's promised us that he comes completely and holy, that he holds nothing back, that he's lavished his love on us, that he has come to us right where we are. He comes to us just as we are, and that he loves us, and that he wants you to know joy, peace, hope, and life. That he doesn't want you walking through this life discouraged and beat up, but he wants you walking through this life known and loved and believing and understanding that you are a child of God. That's what he wants you to know. Don't let the disappointment of your yesterday be the voice of your today. Hear your father saying to you, I love you, I'm doing something in you, and I wanna do something profound through you. Trust him, take that step. You were loved and you were cherished by the heavenly father. Have a great week, see you back next week. Thank you.